Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's uh, look to God. Lord, we look to you as the one who created us, as the one who gave us a mind, as the one who gave us choice, as the one who saved us from our sins, as the one who gives us an eternal hope and now is the one who teaches us in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 24, verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, gave them to Rebekah, and gave them gave also to her brother, to her mother, precious things. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away, that I might go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel, and inquired her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? She said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those that hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Okay, so in our last study, we looked at Eliezer's words in verse 56, so important as it says, and he said unto them, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. So at this point from verse 52, we saw how important it was for Eliezer to hear those words which he heard from Laban and from Bethuel in verses 50 and 51, where we saw that they said the thing, the debar, the critical issue proceeds from the Lord, and they couldn't speak to Eliezer either bad or good, and they said, Rebecca's before you, take her, go, and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. So what so moved Eliezer was when he heard Rebecca's brother, Laban, and mother, uh, Bethuel, say that they saw that it was God who wanted Rebekah to marry Isaac. And it was those words that moved Eliezer then to worship the Lord in verse 52, where it says that it came to pass when Abraham's servants heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself or putting his face to the earth. And it's very important to see those two words in that verse 52, their words, because it was when Eliezer heard their words from their own mouth that that was a critical issue that Rebekah become Isaac's wife and that was from God. 
So at verse 52, Eliezer feels that he's accomplished his goal and soon he'll be on his way with Rebecca because from their words, Eliezer then proceeds in verse 53 to take out and give the gifts for Rebecca, the family. And from their words, Eliezer now relaxes in verse 54 and he eats, he drinks, he celebrates, he spends the night. And we find the next key words in verse 53 where it says that Eliezer and his group rose up in the morning and they're anxious to leave. They said, well, we gotta go, let's go. And that showed us, and we saw this, how Eliezer put his work for God above his pleasure. That was a good time he was having there in that house there with all the music and everything and the eating. But it shows that he put his work for God above his pleasure. And it shows that, and you know, in, in our fair city of San Diego here, we have a lot of opportunities for pleasure. Beautiful weather, beautiful beaches, beautiful parks, nice restaurants. Very easy for us to put in our city pleasure before our work for God. That's why seeing Eliezer in verse 54 is so instructive for us. It's an instructive challenge to us. And then we saw how Eliezer is now faced, now he's got a new challenge, something new. I don't know if he anticipated this or not. Maybe he was. He was a pretty smart fellow. But anyway, in verse 55, and this is the brother factor, Rebecca's brother who's leading, but it's the brother and the mother, and they now protest about Rebecca leaving right away. They want to delay. And this is where we really see Eliezer step forward in his finest in verse 56, where he said, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away, go to my master. See, this is where Eliezer said that they should not stand in his way. And the reason is because it's got this statement, he says, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. It would have been so easy for Eliezer to have taken this personally. It would have been so easy for him to stand up there and say, you know, that's a dirty trick. I mean, you double-crossed me. You got all the presents and everything, and here now, you're not gonna send her. And that was part of the deal that you made with me. It was so easy for him to take it personally, to say, you know, I'm personally offended and how you're delaying this now. And that's just not fair. And I demand that you deal straight with me and you stop this crooked dealing. It would be easy for him to do that. I would have done that. <laughs> if I was Eliezer, then that's what I would have done. To take him the delay personally, you know, you're not living up to your end of the deal, the bargain. You're not being honest. You're not being truthful. You, know, you need to release Rebecca to leave now. But if Eliezer had said any of those things, it would have been the wrong answer. It would have been the wrong answer because he would have taken their refusal to let Rebecca go personally. And whenever we are personally offended, we're in danger of giving a wrong answer. And it reminds me of last Friday. You know, I was in the parking lot of our plasma center. I was in the parking lot of our plasma center, and of course, you know, I'm wearing a tie, I always do. And when anyone sees a person wearing a tie at the plasma center, they might as well hang a sign around them that says, you know, give me all your complaints. <laughs> and I'm the complaint center, see? So this fella comes up to me, and he says that he didn't like the choice of videos that we were showing in the lobby. He wanted to complain about that. And he said, you know, all the donors here are adults, and those videos are for children. And, you know, I kind of took that a little personally as I said, I chose those videos. <laughs> I said, my favorite videos are Zorro and the Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> and he said, well, they were no good. And I took it personally and I said, what's the matter with Zorro, Barney, and Opie? You know, <laughs> I felt like I had to defend Zorro, Barney, and Opie. 
And so, and then Jorge, he comes over and asks what the issue was. And then he turns to Jorge and let know about how the videos were not for adults. And Jorge says, your point is well noted. <laughs> and he was happy and he walked away, you know. Jorge had the right answer. He had the right answer, which was a soft answer. In Proverbs 15.1, it says that a soft answer turns away wrath. But I had the wrong answer because I took it personally and I was going to defend Zorro, Barney, and Opie, so... My answer was wrong because I took his comments personally. That's where we see the beauty of Eliezer here, when we see how beautiful it was that Eliezer's response, and we don't read in the first part of verse 56 there, it becomes so clear what he says. He didn't read anything about himself, but if you just take the part of the words, just clip them off, and we read, hinder me not seeing the Lord. Hinder me not seeing the Lord. See, he starts off, they were hindering him, and he asked them not to hinder him, but then he immediately switches their focus to the Lord. He hindered me not seeing the Lord. See, when he says seeing the Lord, he's saying to them, the Debar issue here, it's not with me. You know, this is not an issue with me and my work. The promise that you've made to me is not an issue with me and my work. The Debar issue here is with the Lord. This is an issue with God and his work. And when Eliezer says those words, hearing to me not seeing the Lord, he was skillfully redirecting Laban and Bethuel to their own words that they said in verse 50 when they said, the Debar thing, the Debar critical issue proceeds from God. We can't speak to you good or bad, bad or good. See, when Eliezer said in verse 56, hinder me not seeing the Lord, he's saying to them, remember those words that you said. In verse 50, he's saying to them, don't you remember how you said that the Debar, the Debar thing proceeds from the Lord and you couldn't answer me bad or good? Well, now you know what you're doing? You're answering me bad. You know, when you say that Rebecca is not going to go away right away. And again, Eliezer, he handles this situation and is so instructive to us. It's so challenging for us because sometimes we're hated because we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we tend to not see that. and We tend to take the offenses personally. And the Lord Jesus Christ warned us, don't do that. When he said in Matthew 10, through 26, he said, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute in this city, then you flee to another. Verily I say unto you, you shall not go on over all the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. He says, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It's enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear not them, fear them not therefore, for there's nothing covered which shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. So what he's telling us there is that we should expect to be mistreated. As he also said in Matthew 24, 9, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So he used the word hate there to describe how followers of the Lord Jesus Christ would be treated. Hate. See, in Luke 6, 22, he said, blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company, in other words, exclude you, and reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. And he told us the reason, what's with all the hatred? Why does the world hate uh, believers so much? The world hates, and he told us why, because he said in John 7, 7, the world cannot hate you because it me it hateth because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. See, the reason the world hates the Lord Jesus Christ is because he testifies 
that the works of the world are evil. The prevalence of sexual immorality and divorce in the church today where the church tolerates watching movies and television that show sexual immorality and divorce as acceptable shows that the church has lost the concept of the holiness of God. It's foreign. The world does not hate a church that finds its entertainment from television and movies that do not pronounce sexual immorality and divorce as evil. The world hates a church that sees sexual immorality and divorce as evil because it's testifying that those things are evil. But when a church seeks to live a holy life because the Lord is holy, then the world hates the church because it's testifying that its works are evil. See, The world hates a church that does not live like the world does, which is what he meant when he said in John 15, 18 through 22, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they've kept my sayings, they'll keep yours. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak, no covering for their sin. And he told us, that the world has a particular hatred for the word of God. See, in John 17, 14, he said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. See, it's the word of God that causes this hatred. The more we quote, the more we revere, the more we do that to the word of God, the more the world hates us. Because the Bible tells what sin is, and the Bible labels it, said that's evil. That's what it does. And it's the Bible that describes what the world finds acceptable as sin and then condemns it. The Bible condemns it and says it's evil. Therefore, the world hates the Bible and the world hates those that revere the Bible and quote it. But he said that when the world hates us, that we should be happy about that. He said that in Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad. Great is your reward in heaven. So persecuted they the prophets which were before you. See, we should be happy because God has particular rewards for those who have endured this hatred and this persecution for being followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, for some, that reward's going to be what he calls in Revelation 2.10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison. You may be tried, tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. For some, it's that. So when Eliezer says, hinder me not, seeing the Lord, and reminded them that they had already seen this was from God, and they shouldn't stand in Eliezer's way, They were boxed into a corner. That was good of his part. Then they only had one move left, uh, Bethel and Laban. Just just had one move left. Call Rebecca, and maybe she won't agree to go. So that's what they did. Verse 57, they said, we'll call the damsel, inquired her mouth. Because Eliezer had already moved them into a corner of seeing that their own words, their own words, that they couldn't keep Rebecca back. They now see that Rebecca herself, it's their only hope, keep her at home. Whereas Eliezer switched the focus to their mouths, what they had said, and they couldn't answer Eliezer, and now they switched the focus to whose mouth does it say? Rebecca's mouth. Well, inquire at her mouth. 
Okay? So that's why they said in verse 57 that they would inquire at Rebecca's mouth. And when they said in verse 57 that they're going to inquire at Rebecca's mouth, that made the decision very personal for Rebecca. Very personal. A, this is a decision as to whether or not she's going to go, and it's going to come right out of Rebecca's mouth. If Rebecca said no, or if she wasn't definite about it, they wouldn't, she wouldn't go. But if she said with a very clear yes, then she'd go. So what we can see from verse 53 is Rebecca's there, and, and she's already taken the gifts. So she's already received the gifts that were given to her. So now in verse 57, the issue appears to have risen about when she's going to go. And from verse 53, she's present, she's taken the gifts. But now in verse 57, she's gone. She went someplace. And we can assume that, you know, she didn't like, I don't know, probably all the arguing, whatever. So she leaves to another place. And she doesn't want to get in the middle of this argument. And so they have to go and find her and call her. And so wherever it is, they call her. From wherever she is, they, give her, they call her. So notice how they pose the question. They kind of stack the question in their favor. They don't want her to go. So they don't say, will you go to become Abraham's son's wife? And didn't put it that way. I mean, they knew Abraham. But they pose the question in a way that's really sending the message to her. They don't want her to go. And so it says in verse 58, they called Rebecca and said to her, wilt thou go with this man? You know, <laughs> what they're really saying is that, you know, what they're really saying is they're not saying, will you go become Abraham's son's wife? But they'll say, will you go with this man? And the emphasis is on the word this, you know, as if they were saying, now, Rebecca, Abraham, we know this man. We don't know this man. Who is this man? Comes, I don't got camels, I don't know, gifts. He says he's Abraham's servant, but, you know, he, Abraham's not here to attest to that. He's got some gifts. We cannot tell what he's saying is really true or not. We haven't had the time to confirm it. I mean, it just appears. It's just today. It just happened yesterday. It happened so quickly. So our question is whether or not you will go with this man. And that's the question we're asking you now. We want you to answer. And when they said that they would require Rebecca's mouth, it paints for us a picture that they'd all be watching Rebecca's mouth. You know, what words are going to come out. And you can see them all waiting there to hear from Rebecca's mouth. As the group said, we're going to wait, we're going to watch for the answer from Rebecca's mouth. That's exactly the same picture that we have of the word of God in Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, Moses said, He humbled thee, he suffered thee to hunger, he fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth, what? Out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. See, the word of God is how we live. We feed ourselves on the word of God. The Bible is our daily food. And when we're born again, we learn how to eat this word, how to feed on this word, as Peter put it in 1 Peter 2, 2, when he says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. See, our spiritual nourishment we get from the Bible, it comes right out of the mouth of God. Just as the family said that they were going to wait and watch for the answer to come out of the mouth of Rebecca, we daily, when we read the Bible, we're waiting, we're watching for answers, for direction, for guidance from the mouth of God, right out of his mouth. That's why when the leaders of Israel did not ask God if they should believe those people who came to him with their old clothes and their rotted bags and everything and said they were from a far away and they wanted to make peace, which they weren't, from a far away, but it says that their failure was to get counsel, but it describes it in Joshua 9, 14, and the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. 
See, they didn't go. It was not that they just didn't ask counsel from God. They didn't ask counsel from the mouth of the Lord. And all of his direction comes from the mouth of the Lord. And if there's sin in our hearts, we don't want to see God's mouth. We don't want to go to God's mouth. It might say something bad about us. And so that's why the words of the true prophets were so important for Israel because the prophets are described in 2 Chronicles 36, 12 as giving the words from the mouth of God. It says, and he did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord his God and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord in 2 Chronicles 36, 12. And that's how God described the difference between the true prophets of God and the false prophets. In Jeremiah 23, 16, Jeremiah 23, 16, it says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you that make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. See, it all came down to which prophets were speaking the words that came out of the mouth of the Lord. In Isaiah 1, 18 through 19, God makes an invitation to lost sinful men to come to him, to be saved, to be cleansed from their sins. He says that in Isaiah 1, 18 through 19. Isaiah 1, 18 through 19, he says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they'll be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But then he describes the particular problem of rejecting his offer to be saved and cleansed in the next verse, in Isaiah 1.20. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. And then he says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. See, the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. It shows us rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and cleanser from sin is a personal offense to God because his mouth gave the invitation to be saved and cleansed. The families decided to ask Rebecca. They're going to wait. They're going to watch for the answer to come from her mouth. And we see at the end of verse 58, Rebecca's response. So they called Rebecca and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? She said, I will go. She gave a very clear answer. She didn't just say yes. She didn't say, well, I would like to become Abraham's son's wife. See, those answers could be used by the family to start this. Uh, now we need to start an investigation if you, Eliezer, really are who you say you are. You know, it could be all these things. See, their question was, will you go with this man? And her answer was a very immediate and clear, I will go. And that settled the matter. And then all they could do is to send her. Now, just freeze that scene. Freeze that scene in your mind. This great family discussion and all the discussion stops. You know, Laban stopped talking. Bethuel stopped talking. Rebecca's going to talk. She's going to give the final decision. It's a very important picture for us because it's the picture of the decision that determined, in her case, whether she go or not go. And when we look further and see the analogy there, it's a decision. It's like a, a picture of a decision of a sinner that, who determines if he's going to go to heaven or if he's going to go to hell. And just as Eliezer wanted Rebecca to go and her family did not, and there was this tug of war, there can be great discussions where we as soul winners, we really want a person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved, and then there may be others in the family that doesn't want the person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But just as all that discussion in Rebecca's home stopped, and everyone waited to hear Rebecca who made the final decision.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.